Coming up next on the Jeff Curley Show, you're going to meet one of the most amazing speakers on the planet. I heard him at a Success North Dallas meeting this morning, and I knew I had to have him on my show. His journey just ahead. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Crilly, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. Well, as many of you know, I, I gave 300 speeches a year for six straight years for a period there when I was at Fox 4 promoting my book. But the toughest thing to do is be energetic at like seven in the morning. <laughs> I always dreaded those seven in the morning speeches because you really have to pump up the audience. But my next guest is Greg Reed. He is an award-winning keynote speaker and you absolutely blew people away this morning at 7 a.m. A little bit of boom shakalaka. And I noticed in the preview, you had my friend Amelia on yes. a previous show. Yes. Isn't she amazing amazing i'm yeah no I'm, I'm just blown away by the quality of speakers that success north dallas has been able to attract over these last three plus decades um uh, but you blew it away i appreciate that you blew it away okay so I, I want um to to roll a little bit of video of greg on stage at success north dallas this morning and one of the things that i was so impressed with is you're very interactive i mean how many books did you give away this morning quite a few and it's very interesting it's strategic in its own way because a lot of speakers come out and they ask you know how the audience doing, where you're coming from. And I thought a good way to engage with the people is to offer free books. The first you know, book goes out and one hand goes up. By the fifth book, everyone's hands goes up. So it's instantaneously people are saying, hey, I'm here to hear what you got to say without feeling like they're being pitched or sold. Yes. Well, I want to know your journey because I, I know the number one uh, fear in America is fear of speaking <laughs> and the number two fear is death. So have you always been a gifted speaker? I've always been interested in getting out in front of the people. But again, as a kid, I got in trouble for it. Now I get rewarded. Isn't that funny how it is? Like, again, I got in trouble as a child for telling stories. And now I write them in books and people stand in line to have me sign them. Outstanding. He's got an amazing website as well. So we're going to scroll down his website and let's just talk about like, okay, how many books have you written? Uh, well, I've been part now. I've been featured in over 145 books. Uh, 45 different languages from all around the world and recently was gifted a star on the Las Vegas Walk of Fame. Wow. Uh, six away from my idol, Elvis Presley. How amazing is that? What an honor. And this morning I learned that one of your uh, role models is a role model for me as well, Les Brown. Oh my, you gotta be hungry, right? <laughs> yeah, Les Brown, he's taught me so many amazing things. I'll give you one really quick thing. Yeah. I asked him when I first met him, could you give me one tip? I could do different as a public speaker to improve my skills. And he did, and here's what it was, is how you hold the microphone. Mm. He says, if you're new, you can tell right away because they hold it like this right to their face. And what happens is it blocks your communication. 
He said, if you ever notice with me, I hold it at the very end. You can still hear me, but you can engage and actually communicate with the people before you. Wow, what a nugget. Well, so I, uh, I started to take notes this morning and I got writer's cramp because <laughs> <laughs> you were giving away so much gold. Um, I, and you have uh, endless talks online, but I found a TED talk that you gave that I want to roll right now. Greetings, everyone. My name is Greg, and I'd like to spend the time that we have together today to talk about not giving up when we're faced with challenges and when we're faced with obstacles in our way. Throughout the day, you're going to be hearing incredible words of wisdom by many of today's top thought leaders. And the one thing they all have in common is the only way to see their dream come to fruition is to not give up when the going get tough. The fact is, there's always going to be challenges. It's not a matter of if, just a matter of when. And that's how we handle those adversities that makes up our character as a person. There's a great quote that says, we can learn more about someone on their one bad day than on all their good days put together. You know, it's easy to be happy-go-lucky when everything's going your direction, but it's when the chips are down, you learn everything about the character of how someone's gonna react. And no story illustrates that better than the very first chapter of the number one best-selling book in personal development, Think and Grow Rich, by the late, great Napoleon Hill. And in there, he tells a story about three feet from gold. You see, there was this gold miner named R.U. Darby who got all excited. He went out west to Colorado, and he found a little hole. Started digging in it, and sure enough, discovered a little nugget. He got all excited, so he buried it and hid it. He went home and told his family and friends so they could chip in money to buy equipment to pull it out by the truckload. Well, the first ore cart came up and it was filled with gold. They're going to be rich. But they kept digging and there was no more gold. They kept digging, but there was no more gold. Finally defeated, Darby walks out of that mine and says, I quit. I'm through. And sees a junk man walking by. He says, hey, buddy, give me $200. I'll sell you this mine and all the equipment, I'm going home. Well, the junk man realizing the equipment was worth thousands said, of course, you got yourself a deal. And Darby goes home defeated. But that junk man does something brilliant. He seeks the counsel of someone who's experienced in that industry and he goes to a local engineer and says, what happened? Darby hit gold and ran out. The engineer starts laughing. He goes, oh my gosh, he goes, that's so simple. Everyone knows that gold runs in a straight line. That's called a gold vein. What Darby did is come in one side, hit gold, and pop back into dirt. He said, all you have to do is go back to where they discovered treasure, go 90 degrees the opposite direction, and you'll tap back into the vein. Not only did the junk man pull millions of dollars out, but it still fills Fort Knox today. And the moral is, how many times have we or someone we know quit one class short from a degree or sales or marketing? It's easy to quit it, but it's the people who persevere and go through the challenges that truly come out on top. 
Greg, I got to tell you, you are such a gifted storyteller. And, and that was one of the things that I learned from watching Les Brown's You Gotta Be Hungry. It's the art of the story. Because right. Les told that story a thousand times, but he, he's got that big smile and it's like it's the first time he ever told the story. I, I've been working in vignettes lately. So yeah. instead of focusing on a 60 minute or a 90 minute presentation, I work on a vignette, kind of like a song. Uh, it has a beginning, middle, and a hook, a melody. It's about two and a half minutes long. Yeah. And I perfect that song and then write like a musician does a set list before they go out. That's what I do before a presentation. So the beginning's always the same, the ending's the same, but in the middle are the songs that feel like singing that day. Yeah, and, and all, like all great speakers, if the if the moderator came to you and said, hey, the, the second speaker dropped out, you gotta go three hours now, you're like, cool, I got this. And it's the reverse of it, usually, because usually people are behind. Yeah. So if I got an hour and they say you got 12 minutes, I say, no problem, I'll do my three greatest hits. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, I love it. Are you one of those speakers who kind of feels uh, God's spirit telling you which story to tell and, 100%. and what order? And that's why I don't know until I get there. Yeah. And whatever is feeding me and telling me to do, those are the ones that I share. And sometimes in the middle of it, I'll even switch gears sometimes. So I go, ah, I feel like I'm supposed to be telling this story. Yeah. We've got some pictures off of Facebook. I want you to kind of describe. Well, now, what, what is that? <laughs> oh, this is crazy. Yeah, it's Secret Knock. Well, we did this event where I brought two of the most famous MMA fighters in the world. And I had them do the Rock'em Sock'em Robots live. And then this gentleman here, I said, I'm going to wrestle you on stage in front of all of our people. He said, you try that. And that's as far as I got. <laughs> he threw me around like a rag doll. It was amazing. Okay. Wow. Is that was is that airbrushed? Is that no? That, that's, that's actually flying through the air. The whole idea is again how you play games is how you play life. If you ever come to our office, the first thing I'm going to do is put a baseball, a football, a frisbee in your hand to see how you're going to participate. Are you willing to go all out, or are you going to play it safe? Now, this gentleman here actually uh, was the star of the, uh, the show One in Las Vegas for Michael Jackson. And he came to our event to actually show some of how he does the dance moves. Wow. It's pretty you, amazing. And you get A-listers. Tell us more about Secret Knot. So we start an event almost like a George Costanza opposite day. Have you ever watched the yeah, Seinfeld? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where everyone else did these events with big bubble pictures and what you'll learn from the event. We said, what if we did an event where we don't tell you who will be there, where it's going to be at, nothing until you actually show up. And then what we did is started inviting the world top thought leaders, not the talkers or the you know dreamers, but the doers. So if you want to start a clothing brand, here's Brian Smith, founder of Ugg Boots. If you want to start a new board game, here's the guy who did Pictionary. And by surrounding yourself with the people who have accomplished what you want, eventually you can cut your learning curve and do it for yourself. Okay, what are some of the top lessons you've learned from the most brilliant minds on the planet? Gosh, there's so many of them. But one thing we were talking about today at the success event uh, was the one about Steve Wozniak, the Woz. It's about, you know, taking an adversity instead of running from it, running towards it. And I asked him, I said, how did you and uh, Jobs have so much success in your life? He says, we embraced our lack. We didn't run from it. We ran towards it. He said, when microchip processors came out, they were so expensive, they could only afford one. He goes, Jobs sold his car. He sold his calculator, pulled the money to buy one. But Hewlett Packard and IBM would make machines that go from A to B with 20 chips, then all the money. So he'd pull away five and make it work with 15. He'd pull away five, 10. Eventually he found a way to go from A to B using just one chip. He says, we were not trying to be innovative or aerodynamic or cool. We could afford one chip. But by embracing that as an opportunity, we found the shortest, cleanest path. And by doing that, we changed the way people do personal computing forever. And he said, where could you be right now in your own business? If you stop looking at something as your greatest challenge and obstacle, but it could just be your greatest blessing. 
your greatest opportunity in disguise. You told another story this morning that I loved. Uh, it was about, amazing. About, <laughs> about, about uh, scaling a mountain and why you don't want to go too fast. Yeah, that's right. Show it, Kathy, founder of uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, I was in his office walking around. It's a palatial place. It's like something you'd never seen before. And he had a poster pinned to the wall, like little thumbtacks, and they're like, Hello Kitty. And I go, What in the world is this about, Truett? And he says, Well, I live my life like a mountain climber. And so what he means is, well, entrepreneurs 95% fail the first year because they see the top of that mountain and they run with everything they got. They got the energy and passion, but as soon as they slip, they go all the way to the bottom. He says, but not that mountain climber. They understood the power of going up about 20 feet and they take a carabiner and he ties himself off. Goes up another 20 feet and ties himself off. Eventually knowing that they will make a mistake, but when he does, he doesn't go to his demise. He only goes down 20 feet and lives the fight another day. Yes, and I think another point you made is don't be afraid to fail. fail you learn so much in the failures, don't you? Yeah, and a lot of people say fail fast forward and all that. So I'm not a big believer of focusing on failure. <laughs> I would like to have a little bit more success in my life, mm -hmm. but I don't run and hide from it. You know, when Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich, the biggest chapter he did was the six ghosts of fear. And the fears that he talked about 100 years ago were true at that time. It was the fear of old age, but now people are living longer. It was the fear of loss of love. People get divorced, they don't kill them anymore. So at the end of the day, the three fears of modern world are this. This is what it comes down to. Number one, it's the fear of the unknown, not knowing what's coming next. Number two is the fear of pain. We do anything and everything to avoid it. But the biggest one is the fear of criticism, the fear of judgment. There's a bumper sticker that says, what would you do if you couldn't fail? I say you throw it away and ask this question. What would you do the moment you stop worrying about what people thought? And the big thing is no one's thinking about you. <laughs> They're dealing with their own life situation. So the best time to take action is the moment it strikes you before someone else gets there before you. And that was something you kind of hammered home is uh, sometimes the people that you know, you're closest to can be um, the, the jeering section instead of the cheering section. Yeah, because again, surround ourselves with people that we have respect for, not people we have influence over. I'll say that again. Surround ourselves with people we have respect for, not people we have influence over. Who's getting the exact results you want? When I made my first major motion picture, you know, I didn't ask my family, friends around a barbecue. I went to Hollywood and said, who won an Oscar? Who won a Golden Globe? Who has a studio? And asked them for direction because they could give me the actual blueprint so I could duplicate it for myself. And you were telling me a story just before uh, you spoke this morning about you have uh, dyslexia. Hmm. And, and how did Why that... Why did they make the word dyslexia the hardest word to spell for dyslexic? <laughs> did you notice that I just... I, and I kind of slurred it when I said... Yeah. It's a hard word to say. Yeah, I kind of live that life. Okay, so uh, your friends and family were telling you, what are you doing writing a book? Exactly. And they were not wrong. <laughs> They're trying to protect <laughs> me to keep me safe, but they also never did it. So I sought counsel, not opinion. Uh, opinions based on ignorance, lack of knowledge, or inexperience, like people have never done what you're about to venture upon, where counsel is based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. People have paved the way. So my family and friends would talk me out of it. So I got a meeting with Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul and sold a billion copies. And they said, Greg, here's what you need to know, and gave me counsel based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. And I realized that if we would only speak and seek counsel in our lives and ignore opinion, that's the day our lives would change. Okay, I know you're a serial entrepreneur and every entrepreneur wants that for their kid or kids. Uh, you are a proud papa. Oh yeah. Uh, tell, what, what lessons are you passing on to, is, is this cult? Yeah, well he's teaching me, you know okay. how it is, yeah. right? It's a different generation than we live today. So he's teaching me a lot of the modern things. For example, uh, when he was seven years old, he had the number one album on Amazon of like spoken word. 
and he got some money from his grandparents and he said, I go, what do you want to do with this? Put it in the bank. He goes, buy me a Bitcoin. I go, what the heck's a Bitcoin? So I opened up a crypto thing and put it in there. And sure enough, now the kid's rich and by the time he's 18, he'll be able to retire. It's just absolutely phenomenal the things that I learned from him. Well, you gave some great parenting advice too about, you know, they, if, if you're giving a child allowance mm -hmm. for something that they hate to do, it's not going to work out so well. Yeah, it's very interesting because I was on a podcast just like this, except it wasn't as fancy as this one, by the way, amazing Thank place. You. And I, the host asked me, I said, do you give your kid allowance to do things he doesn't like to do around the house? Like, you know, do the chores and take out the trash and things. I said, absolutely. I'm going to teach them the respect of money. And they said, that's too bad. You're ruining your child forever. And I didn't debate. I said, teach me. And I said, well, think about it. You're teaching your child from the earliest of memory. The only way to get paid money is to do something they don't like. And so we changed the paradigm and I said, Colt, you're really good at these TikToks and the video memes. Why don't you make those for me from now on as your allowance and just make your bed for a living in the lifestyle that you do. And so now when he needs some Jordans, he doesn't come up and ask for allowance. He says, how many TikToks you need? Wow. <laughs> right? I love that. How many businesses do you have going right now? I have six different corporations, but also I'm going to tell you about the kid. You have to be careful what you say because they actually will go and apply this, right? So I always teach about, you know, work your strengths, hire your weaknesses. After COVID hit, we had our first family party and I invited everyone and I said, Colt, contribution time, get upstairs and make your bed and clean everything up. We have people here. About 15, 20 minutes later, a kid comes downstairs and he's got a handful of cash and gives it to his dad says, put this in the bank for me. I go, where'd you get that? He says, from your son, Colt. I go, for what? He goes, well, he hired me to make his bed and to get the trash and do these oh, things. Oh my goodness. And I, I love called, that I know, I called him out. I go, Colt, why did you do that? And he said, dad, you told me work my strengths and hire my weaknesses. I had other things to do. Wow. Hey, let's talk about COVID because I know the speaking world, you probably had to cancel dozens of uh, speeches. Right. Um, how did you navigate COVID? Uh, just we adjusted everyone pivoted you know everyone uses all the cliche words but that's what we did we found a way to adjust and start doing more presentations from my you know shorts at home and to me it was a horrible situation but also it was one of those things where i learned something that was very valuable mm. i focused on something it's gonna it's gonna be controversial but i focused on something called death style everyone focuses on lifestyle how great things are and at that moment i said if the worst case scenario comes would I be happy with the life I led? Was my legacy good? And I started, well, I wrote enough books. My son will learn about it. Check. Do I have life insurance? Is he going to be taken care of? Check. Do I need all those cars in the driveway? Probably not. And I started going down that thing. But once I realized that I was living a purpose-filled life, it gave me that freedom where I felt so strong going to it. I said, as soon as this breaks, I'm going to get back out in the wild and I'm going to leave the biggest footprint that I possibly can. I love that. Okay. In the final two minutes, I want you to give some advice to the person who's paying too much attention to the news because the news gets pretty negative yeah. and they, they scare people into a recession. And what do you want to say to the person who is fearful right now? Well, first of all, I'm not a psychologist, <laughs> I'm not a therapist. I write books and make movies, but I will say this is that what we focus on will come to be, you know, thoughts become things. Bob Proctor and I wrote a book called thoughts are things. And we realized that thoughts are not things. It's only thoughts backed by massive action become things. If thoughts were things, I'd be a slice of pizza right now until <laughs> I'm hungry. But when we get done with this interview and I get a slice of pizza, my thoughts become reality by the thoughts we take. 
And people say, I can learn everything about you by the association you hang out with. I can learn everything I need to know about you by the circumstance you put yourself in. How many times have we had a million dollar idea in the shower and by the time we brush our teeth, it's down the drain to see it on a billboard 10 years later. Wow. The only difference between you and that person was one person acted. And it's the action in the law of attraction that makes our dreams a reality. You got to think it, feel it, but ultimately you got to get off your backside. You got to take action. You got to do it. Wow. That's a great way to leave this segment. And we're also going to end with the website, which is gregreed.com. The great Greg Reed. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, you bet. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.